Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Die Hard Minute, where every day, Monday through Friday, Movies by Minute host talk about one minute of the greatest van-stealing movie, the 1998 John McTiernan-directed movie, Die Hard. I'm Mike Carlucci of Return to Oz Minute. I'm Tierney Steele of Return to Oz Minute and the NeverEnding Minute, and if I married John McTiernan, my name could be Tierney McTiernan. Just saying. <laughs> and I'm Cassandra Fredrickson from Lord of the Rings Minute. And today we're going to be talking about Minute 62. Hooray! Welcome back, Cassandra! Thanks again for having me. Yeah. It's great. I'm sorry to throw you off, but I... Sometimes the thought pops into your head, and you must make sure to share it with the world. (laughs) No, I mean, what else is podcasting for, honestly? (laughs) I'm glad to know we're all on the same page. (laughs) Um, today, specifically, that page is going to be minute 62 of Die Hard, which starts with Richard's boss arguing why he shouldn't go to Nakatomi Tower, uh, continues with him threatening to steal a van, very dramatically. It ends with Hans picking up his walkie-talkie in great consternation. That's a good word. That's like an SAT word. It, it, I felt like it fit his face at the end of this (laughs) minute. We, I, this is another minute where I think we're going to talk a lot about how great an actor Alan Rickman is. Mm. Um, but first, we have to get through the rest of this. I, I shouldn't say that. There's nothing wrong, and there's actually a lot right with this TV station scene. It's just, it is sandwiched between one of the best lines of the movie and Alan Rickman getting to, like, facially react to things. So mm-hmm. it, it's just not standing out as much to me. <laughs> So I know we talked yesterday about how Sam didn't have a name in the movie, but he totally says his name and like, thank you, like 10 seconds in. Ah, yes. Because I was listening for it when I watched it right before recording and I was just like, oh yeah, he totally says Sam. Yes. I think it's okay. So I have been called out for how fast I talk. Maybe more than once. They are talking so fast. I have trouble following it. That's funny. This little, this is, this is like a walk and talk on speed. I love, I love a good walk and talk, though. I love a good walk and talk uh, scene. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, are you also an aficionado of those? (laughs) Yeah, I'm in West Wing forever. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, this isn't quite dramatic. I do love, we get to see, so we started with them in, uh, God, I want to call it the control room. I feel like there's a proper term for that in TV terminology. But, it, it, I mean, it literally is a control room in my defense. Uh, they walk through the offices to the actual stage, set, area, thing. Wow. Um, I love all the Christmas decorations up in the offices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have to say, it is a pretty great line where uh, Richard's, you know losing his mind goes you don't want to give me a truck i'll go out there and i'll steal a truck and he turns dramatically and his tie is swinging and the next line is give me a break thornburg mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the, you know, Harvey, like it's it is a very good back and forth it actually fits a newsroom i feel like very well that like really quick exchange yeah i agree i love how um offended the news anchor gets where he's like eat it harvey and then like his like 
it's like he just like insulted his mother and his grandmother <laughs> and I'm just like all these other things because he gets so offended and it's really funny. There's <laughs> only room for one newsman in this town. Apparently. And it's Harvey. <laughs> oh, this made me really long for like the old days because I feel like today there'd be a tape delay so you wouldn't get this wonderful moment of like Harvey, we're on the air. And he, he totally, yeah. like, looks down and composes himself before going into on-air personality. Mm-hmm. It's so, it, yeah, that is a face. And then, okay, so we see Gail Wallens, which meant nothing to me, but it's Mary Ellen Trainer, which, like, she's such a good mom in so many different things. <laughs> um... She, let's see, uh, the first things that came up were, like, Romancing the Stone and the Lethal Weapon movies, um, but I really remember her as being the mom in the TV show Roswell. Mm. And then she also played a mom in Little Giants, Ghostbusters 2, and The Goonies. There you go. So, you know, in my defense. 80s mom. (laughs) Yeah, she just, and she's instantly recognizable. I, I mean, I didn't know her name, and I wasn't one. I knew Roswell I recognized her from, but I didn't think of the others until I was looking at her IMDb. Mm-hmm. But she's just, she's one of those familiar 80s faces that you grew up with. That's interesting that she's also in um, Lethal Weapon, because, like, Die Hard and Lethal Weapon are, like, my go-to 80s action movies of choice. Mm-hmm. So that's cool that she's in both of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... That and Terminator. And- Terminator's a good 80s action movie, too, I guess. There's a lot of good movies in the 80s. <laughs> it's a good decade. Yeah. She's also, she's uncredited, but she does appear in uh, Back to the Future Part 2. Oh! As one of the officers. Awesome. So, she is all over the movies by Miss Phenomenon. Right. Wow. Um she, she's also in the new Freaky Friday, which I don't think is getting the movies by minutes treatment, but you never know. <laughs> Someone might be a really big Jamie Lee Curtis fan. It could happen someday. Um, she also was on a few episodes of Remington Steel, which has a soft spot in my heart because for many, many years, if you Googled Tierney Steel, you got results about that show because one of the crew members had the last name Tierney. Oh, and, interesting. Like, oh. It was like that and like my Facebook line because that was the only social media at that point. So I, I've watched a few episodes of Remington Steel. Didn't really do anything for me, but I still always will give it the shout out. There you go. Um, she's telling us a lot about high tides and the weather. I don't know. I kind of stopped listening to her. Such, because... it, such as it is in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was distracted because... We get this amazing domino of Harvey turning dramatically to Richard, who then turns dramatically to Sam. Mm -hmm. And it's framed perfectly. Like, the way the focus moves from person to person is fantastic. And I gotta say, at the end of this scene, I don't think Sam thinks truck number five is ever coming back, but I don't think he cares as long as it ends this exchange. (laughs) That's my theory, anyway. Maybe he's just playing the uh, the old give him enough rope to, like, uh, I don't know, finish his <laughs> reporting career. 
I mean, if there's if there's no story, eventually he can just shove him off, right? Yeah. You stop coming up with scoops eh, out of the station. We've got Harvey. He knows where Helsinki is. <laughs> More or less. Yes. That's the other thing when I was looking up, they mentioned that specifically, and I was like, Sam is the best. <laughs> um, do we think Richard would have stolen a truck? I think he would have gotten someone else to steal it for him. Oh. Like uh like a camera like a camera guy. Like I think he would have like paired off with a camera guy and they would have stolen it together. Okay. Yeah. Someone else's neck would have been on the line. Yeah. If you know, if Al Powell showed up, he would have been like, Oh, eat it, camera guy. <laughs> Does he save his wrath for Harvey or is he just like this with everyone? <laughs> well, I mean he he's going after Sam pretty hard. That's true, but he doesn't I don't know. Maybe it's because of the way Harvey reacts that I just, it feels so much more personal. That's <laughs> Like, fair. Sam just looks more put upon. Well, I'm sure he, he deals with this sort of thing. Like we were talking about yesterday, I'm sure he deals with this sort of thing all the time. But leading man Harvey over there is not really used to getting, I don't know, insults. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think, too. Is, is he just continuing the great tradition of the underestimated fantastic sidekick Sam? <laughs> Quite possibly. I mean, I'm just saying, you're from Lord of the Rings minute. I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones lately. Oh, Sometimes there you go. Sam's happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else in the newsroom that specifically jumped out it's it's really well done for such a little scene that's just advancing the plot Mm -hmm. like even the look on gail's face before she starts speaking where she's just like okay like yeah it it, here here's what i think it's better done than it needed to be if that makes sense yeah nobody's nobody's really like phoning it in like everyone's everyone's bringing it and they're they're it shows yeah because all this scene had to do was get Richard to into the a news tower. van. Yeah. Yeah, into a news van. I guess and for character development show he's kind of a jerk, but like that that's it. That's mm-hmm. all that had to happen. And we get Eat It Harvey and we get Gail and we get like so many good reactions. Like the head whipping in this scene is fantastic. I think another thing that this movie really does a good job with is that none of the characters really feel like side characters if that makes sense like each character like really gets like a burst of personality even if they only have like a handful of lines um and i think that that it makes it more memorable for that because like you have all of these like really great side characters along with bruce willis and alan rickman and It just, like, rounds out the entire situation. And no one's really, like, a caricature or, like, a stereotype or anything. Like, it's it's just, like, well-rounded characters. Yeah. I mean, I in a different franchise, I would be watching a whole anthology movie about Sam's career. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. And even the ones that are... Because there are characters that are kind of, like... One note, like, when I was watching this first, I didn't know anyone's names. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was blonde guy, and ponytail bad guy, and this, and... But I feel but, like, like yeah, they're they... all very distinctive in their bad yes. guyness. 
Yes, and if you are paying attention, you like they all do kind of get their moments. You can see who they are. Mm-hmm. Other than that, yeah, a lot of them. Not you know one of the minor details that we don't know too much about, but a lot of them also have their own weapons, <laughs> which like which, which is a, which is a nice touch. They could have given them all you know whatever they made they you know the prop prop shop had for. Uh, standard bad guy guns, but Carl walks in with, uh, according to the Wikia, he has a steer aug, an Austrian rifle. So you know he's got his own he's got his own look, and it's a weird, different shaped gun. Yeah. But yeah, they each get they each get something that's distinct. Yeah. So they're not just a pile of henchmen. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, it's it's almost like you could tie it to Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> there you go. I'm excited for that remake or reboot rather, but yeah. that's that's another tangent train altogether. <laughs> that's okay, this is me just slowly trying to force Mike into Ocean's Eleven minute. Ooh, um, that'll be fun. That would be fun. Ocean's Eleven minutes at a time. Yeah, and it goes so much faster than <laughs> the way we're doing these. Right. Um. No, I've, I've really appreciated this so much more going minute by minute just because, like I said, when I first saw it, I just kind of sat back and let it wash over me. Mm-hmm. So it's very exciting to get to delve into it and actually, like, pay attention and notice who Gale is and things like that. Right. Um, so speaking of henchmen, the last 20 seconds-ish of the movie is panicked henchmen... Reporting it, and I, my note is literally like, oh, Hans, not so confident now, are we? <laughs> because he is shaking in his facial hair. I um, Yeah, I really like how frantic they are. Like, we're supposed to have this under control, but we definitely do not have this under control. Yeah. Carl knows how to deliver bad news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as dramatically as possible. The elevator door has barely started to move, and he's forcing his way... <laughs> Back, back into the uh, into the way. atrium here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can anyone say detonators quite like Alan Rickman? <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd like to take a moment in second forty three to appreciate the shoe noises because it's a really well done. Uh, maybe it's their actual shoes. I don't know, mm-hmm. but if it's if it's an effect, it's very convincing of a group of people running. Through an office building. Yeah, the more I um, delve into movies just like minute by minute like this, the more I have an appreciation for the Foley guys. Mm. Because I think we take the sound of movies, like not the soundtrack, but like the sounds in movies for granted. But like people are making those sounds and like that's their (laughs) job and it blows my mind. So yeah, no, that's definitely like really good shoe shoe sounds. (laughs) Oh, man. And it all fits. And I love, like, I mean, well, Hans especially. He's the one I really noticed. But they're all, like, the way they line up and are almost kind of hiding behind Carl, the other henchman, really makes me laugh. But I love that Hans is able to be scared and pissed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a weird emotion to try and portray. And he is straddling that line perfectly of, like, I mean... He, when he picks up the walkie-talkie, it's, it's like it's like you take it out on that walkie-talkie, but <laughs> but it's not just that he's mad. Like he is he is mad and he is worried. Yeah, he is both equally. 
and you can see it like before he even because he doesn't even say anything i mean like he says like mm-hmm. oh he had the detonators but like you can see it in his face yeah. and like that's just how good of an actor alan rickman is yeah. i do love the um the little jingle bells in the score at the very end of this minute um oh i miss those and we mentioned the um like the the office uh christmas decorations before in the newsroom but i really love how this movie kind of just reminds you that it's happening over christmas without like shoving it in your face but i really like the use of the jingle bells in the score because it's like this is an uh uh-oh moment for the bad guys and it's like a kind of a good moment for for john um and tying it in with like the christmas thing i thought Mm -hmm. is a really cool use of of that particular instrument yeah i i didn't realize until i met my friend who this is her favorite movie of all time that this was a christmas movie mm. her family watches it every year at christmas like that is their tradition um, yeah i know a lot like i used to do it for a while i haven't done it in a couple years um but this is like it's one of those movies where you kind of have to remember that it's at christmas like if you don't like if you'd never seen it before you would never have guessed that it was set during christmas you know what nope. i mean yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. And then it's very much like, oh, it is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Good it's job, like Kelly. <laughs> it's like I mean we were talking about um superhero movies yesterday, but like Iron Man three. Like Iron Man three is completely a Christmas movie, but I had oh. no idea walking into it that like that's what we were gonna be watching. But Yeah. It's I like those movies that become part of your tradition well, so we haven't actually made a tradition but we keep threatening to of um we want to make watching The Lion in uh, Winter, because it's a Christmas movie. We want to make mm. that a family tradition. Um, which is, oh, it's Eleanor of Aquitaine and whatever Henry she was married to. But basically, <laughs> everyone in the family is trying to murder everyone else in the family. Oh my god! <laughs> but they all get together for Christmas! <laughs> um, yeah, and, and oh, there was one with Patrick Stewart, which I haven't seen, but the original is Catherine Hepburn and Peter O'Toole. As the that monarchs. sounds and then awesome. You look at who plays the kids, and it's um oh god, it's someone super famous's first like breakout role. Um, sorry, I just because it's really gonna drive me absolutely insane if I don't look at it immediately. <laughs> um, scroll, scroll, scroll. Anthony Hopkins. Oh, Anthony oh. Hopkins plays one of the kids, and That's Timothy amazing. Dalton plays another. Mo- I mean, like. I need to watch this. The cast is amazing, but it's, um, it's a drama, but it also, like, well, it's funny if you're a history nerd like me, (laughs) um, and also it's Catherine Hepburn and Peter O'Toole being amazing against each other, Mm. but I showed it to Chris for the first time, and he's like, this is a Christmas movie! I was like, (laughs) yeah, it is, and now we're gonna watch it every year at Christmas. Yeah, we haven't been quite nice. that organized, but I just thought, I, I love ones like that where you're like, yeah, it, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it may not say it in the title, but it is a Christmas movie. What's your go-to Christmas movie, Mike? Home Alone. Oh, a classic. See, another 80s yeah. movie. Yeah. 80s are awesome. Yeah. Mine is um, Muppet Christmas Carol, because I'm predictable, oh, but. That's a good one. Wasn't Home Alone technically 90s? Um, maybe? It slips in, though. I mean, I refer to Mary Ellen Trainer as a 80s mom, and Roswell was very definitely the end of the 90s, so. Oh, I guess it was 1990. Okay. 
Oh, so it's like the cusp. But it was made in the 80s. Yeah. And it looks like the 80s. It, it does not look like the 90s. <laughs> Aw. See, I always think of that as, the, as an early 90s one, but... Oh, no. What? John Hurd died from a heart attack three weeks ago. What? He's the dad in Home Alone. I just I just Googled Home Alone. Oh, oh. And the dad from Home Alone died three weeks ago from when this was recorded. Sorry, future <laughs> future <laughs> listeners. Didn't John Hurd oh. die last year? Oh. Uh, is it a different John Hurt? <laughs> no, that's what okay. Wait, no, it, it is says. a different John Hurt. It must be. John no, Hurt no, John is... John Hurd. Hurd. Hurd, okay. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, not John Hurt. Because when you said John Hurt, I yeah, was, I was like, like, wait, what? I know, I was like, wait, did, didn't we already grieve him? Um, <laughs> Hurt. John Hurt. With a D? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I wait, mean, he's in that movie? <laughs> I'm very sorry for his family, but <laughs> it's a little bit different. Yeah, I, I Home Alone is such a great one. And it's, um, my dad goes nuts because he says... Have you ever noticed how few modern Christmas songs there are? And Candles in the Window, or whatever it's actually called, from Home Alone, he's like, is the only modern good, like, Christmas carol. Hmm. Uh, And yet there are probably more new Christmas songs produced every year than there ever have been. Right? They mostly record over the same old ones. (laughs) Actually, I shouldn't say that. I've heard a bunch of ones, but I don't know. I just... It's a pretty song. Everyone go watch Home Alone and also Die Hard. <laughs> this will probably Christmas. be airing well after Christmas, but that's all right. It, but that's the thing, like, we keep Christmas in our hearts or something like that all the year long. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a cheesy saying like that. Probably. Um, yeah, like from A Christmas Carol or something. Yeah, I have not seen The Muppets Christmas Carol <gasps> in a oh. really long time. I'm sure oh, I saw it oh, as a kid, oh, but okay. like... I don't... Yeah. I have heard that is one worth tracking down. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Aw. Well, now that we're all in the Christmas spirit, um, Hans is not in the Christmas spirit, but... No, he's that's not. All right. <laughs> that's all right. Um, yeah, this this minute really moves us along, plot-wise. Mm-hmm. I will give it that, as we pointed out, in a very well-done way. Um, so, let's see. By the time this airs, you'll have done... A Doctor Who Christmas special episode, right? Yes. <laughs> Hopefully. I'm trying to put it together. I was like, wait, this has to be after Christmas. There's no way it could be that fast, right? Um, well, let's see. Because what is this, minute 62? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it might have, I think this might have, might be dropping like right around Christmas or right after Christmas, but whatever. Okay. Math is hard. It's yeah, late. Math- <laughs> Math is hard, um, but yes, um, I realize not everyone listening to Die Hard Minute is probably also a Doctor Who fan, but watching the Doctor Who Christmas episode is another great family tradition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and then you can listen to the Doctor's Companion about it. Yeah. <laughs> Plugs! <laughs> Yay. Um, do, do you want to explain, um... Because we're definitely going to mention our minute shows again, but do you want to yeah. explain what the Doctor's Companion is? Sure, it's a little bit different. Um, the Doctor's Companion is a podcast that I do with Scott and Nick of Back to the Future Minute and Cornetto Minute, um, and we all like Doctor Who, so we've been talking about Doctor Who. Um, 
in the off season we do uh one story from each doctor um so we do like classic stories and we do um like david Tennant stories and matt smith stories so if you are into doctor who um and you are looking for your podcast uh check check out the doctor's companion um and lord of the rings minute um and a bunch of other things all on duelinggenre.com nice i i really like the jumping around aspect like i listen to several podcasts that are just chronological and Mm -hmm. i feel like doctor who lends itself to that a little more yeah, no, I couldn't put myself through seven years of Tom Baker straight, so. <laughs> Much as I love some of his early stuff, uh, a lot of the later stuff is like, eh, eh. but yeah, we have fun. Nice. Um, if you're looking for Mike and I, we are from Return to Oz Minute, which has its own website, returntoozminute.com, a.k.a. Weogtiogpiog.com. <laughs> uh... And we're also on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us by searching for Oz Minute. If you are looking for Die Hard Minute in those places, they are at Die Hard Minute. And on Facebook, their listeners group is called the Podcast Listeners Limo. And if you don't remember any of this, I bet you can remember the URL, dieharddminute.com, which has all this information there. Uh, if you'd like to catch up on other Movies by Minute podcasts featuring me, featuring Mike, featuring Cassandra, featuring many, many other people. Uh, sometimes we guest various places. It's kind of exciting to try and track people. Uh, visit MoviesByMinutes.com. That's where everything lives. Yeah, they should keep an eye out for the next season of Lord of the Rings Minute, which will be The Two Towers, which is yeah. my favorite. Uh, and, Mike, if they want more Die Hard Minute, what should they do? It's easy. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Pick up your walkie-talkie, dial your favorite Carl, and enjoy the Die Hard. yippee <laughs> Tell me you got that. I got it, I got it. Hit your heart on Channel 5.